Hi, this is John Miller. I'm the Naked Business Coach, stripping business back to the bare basics. Here with you again, giving you a monster, not just a bite-sized podcast. Today is a monster podcast. So I want you to get your pen and paper handy, whatever you're going to make notes on, because today I'm going to cover 21 ways to increase the power and profit of your advertising without spending more money. So, rule number one, increase your profits, measure results. Now, I hate accounting, but I love tracking and measuring the responses to my ads. I keep detailed results of every ad and every promotion and every one that I've ever run. When a friend actually saw my tracking system, he claimed that I was actually a frustrated accountant. But let's face it, accountants are really good with money and that's what I'd like to be in business for. The only difference today is that we now keep things on computer rather than writing it down by hand, but I find doing a bit of both always helps. The best thing about my system is that you can determine immediately where you're getting the best return on your advertising money. So if you can tell where your ad made a profit, you'd have to be able to compare the profit on your sales from the ad. In other words, the gross revenue less the cost of the product and the marginal costs like credit card commissions, postage and so forth, to the running of the ad, which includes the allocation of the cost you're creating and the laying out of the ad. Now, when you can have an unlimited budget, when you're over 100% of break-even, what does happen to your advertising budget? It really does become unlimited in its own way. Your ad is aimed to generate inquiries and they need to calculate two key indicators. One, the cost per inquiry so which is the number of inquiries divided by the cost of the ad, and the conversion rate. The conversion rate is the percentage of inquiries that actually buy, plus, of course, the ultimate profit. Once you know what your conversion rate is, you can project the profitability of your ad simply from the numbers of inquiries that you've received. So, as an example, let's say that your profit sale is $25. If your cost per inquiry is $5, your conversion rate must be 20% to break even. But if your average conversion rate's only 10%, you'll know that this ad in this area is just not going to work. But if your new ad produces a cost of your inquiry of only $1, the ultimate profit per inquiry with the same 10% conversion rate will be $2.50. And you'll know that you actually want to run that ad again. If this is new to you, you'll be wondering how to trace a specific sale to a specific ad, and that's in the rule number two. Rule number two, code every ad. To know if a particular ad works or not, you have to be able to track the responses to that specific ad. There are a variety of ways that you can do this. Some are more accurate than others, but if you don't code your ads, you can't track the response. And if you don't track responses, then there's simply no way you can measure the results of your advertising. If you don't measure your advertising, the only thing that you can be sure of is that you're wasting a chunk of money out of your back pocket. And let's face it, if you want to throw money away and just not see a simple return, I'm sure there's plenty of people who'll take your money. Of course, you'll always have some responses you can't allocate to a specific ad. The trick of those is to keep no codes or white mail to a minimum. So here's some ways. Key code a coupon. So if you're using a physical coupon, put a unique code on that coupon within your ad. It could be an abbreviation of the publisher's name plus the date, or it could be a letter-number combination that you just make it up. Or you can get really tricky and use sequential codes. 
It really doesn't matter as long as you record the code along with all the other information about the ad and that's what the you know, response sheets are actually for. So what does it really matter that you can count how many responses you have? Well, when you code the address, you often see XYZ came from that particular address. So you might use a PO box rather than having a direct mail piece. To me, you know, maybe I'm being a little perverse, but once I know where something came from and why it came from there, I would be able to use that code much, much better. Another hint, always check things like envelopes if you do something in a, a written format. Inevitably, when they open mail, new staff chuck the envelope away and just keep the letter. So you'll have to order, great, but the code was on the envelope, not the letter. Make sure, and even worse, the customer's return address is only on the envelope. An order, if it's done by mail, needs to have somewhere to be able to send it. Code your phone number. So one way to code your phone number is actually to add an extension 123 after the number. So call John and let us know on extension number 123. And a lot of phone systems can actually allow you to do that. The other thing you can do is actually just ask your customer. If you don't run a lot of ads, an easy way to keep a track is, oh, look, would you mind if I asked you, where did you hear about us? Or how did you find out about this offer? Be prepared for responses like, oh, I was in today's paper when, let's face it, the last time you read an ad in a paper was a year ago. The important thing is don't put words in your customers' mouths. Ask a non-specific question. Oh, and do you remember where you heard about this offer? Not, oh, did you see us online? The first question will prompt your customer to search his or her memory. To the second question, many people will just say yes just to get the question out of the way. For phone orders, you can actually ask what the code is on the coupon if you've used a coupon. If your customer gets confused, say, well, it's okay, don't mind. It's better to have a sale without a code than no sale at all. Or if you've got people coming in, get the customer to bring the ad back in with them. For a restaurant offering a free drink with a meal, just say, bring this ad in with you. It makes it really easy to test and measure the results. At the end of the day, just total up the sales the ad actually made for you. Make sure as well that you add in the other items that you upsell and cross-sold when that coupon was bought in. You can also ask people, have you ever been here before? Otherwise, how are you actually going to know how many new customers, not just repeat customers that you're having? Because let's face it, if people have a good experience, they'll be back. Allocate at times no codes. So whenever possible, attribute responses to some ad or a series of ads. You can do that by an offer. You might read three different offers at a time. By time, now this is something where something runs out. Make sure you keep the records on the day of the response. Don't try and do it later. By tracking ads in this way, you can figure out what their half-life is. So in other words, an ad that you ran may only actually have a half-life of a week, a day, a month. How often is it that it brings down? By tracking your ads, you can look at it and say on average, your ads make 120% of break-even. It may take two or three weeks before you get the response. If you understand that your half-life or response time with an ad is five days, then you can budget for it. So you need to be able to pull it and understand the differences between immediate and longer term. Rule number three, clarify the objective of your advertising. Why are you advertising? Now this might sound like a silly question, but answering it and really thinking about it is especially important. 
A clear objective helps keeps you focused. Your intention drives your results. The purpose of your advertising defines the offer. The headline, the copy, the medium, in fact, everything about the ad. If your intention is to keep your name before the public and build your image, your ads will probably be long, vague and run in places that you think or maybe are read or seen by the people you want to reach. In reality, however, you've got no idea whether your ads are achieving a purpose. A properly conducted poll-style survey might actually show what your ads are doing worse than nothing at all. They're actually turning your potential customers away. In any case, I'm going to assure you that if you have enough respect for your own money to not even contemplate these types of ads, how could defining your purpose save you a bunch of money? Only when you define your purpose do you have something to measure. When you define your purpose, coach your ads, record your results, you'll immediately learn which ads and which media work and which don't. I installed this kind of measurement in all my clients over time. The result is, is that if you can understand where 90% of your inquiries are coming from and you can bring that back to an ad, you can actually have a much better idea. You can profit directly and you can profit later from your ads. So here's two questions that you actually have to know your answers to. What is your profit margin on a new customer's first purchase? Unless you're in business of one-off sales, that means you've got nothing else to sell at any other time to any other customer. You should actually answer the question based on marginal cost basis. So should you allocate a percentage of your overheads to your cost of advertising? What is this new customer worth to you? How often will they come back? How often could you get referrals from them? The next part is, what is the lifetime value of getting a customer? Now, I look at having my customers for life. I'm not looking at just what they pay me each month to invest in developing their business and growing their businesses with me as their coach. I'm looking at what is the lifetime value that I can give them and that they return to me in return for my services in helping them to grow their businesses. You should do exactly the same thing. Once you've actually found out where the best place to put your money, you've got to look at your numbers and make sure you do it time and time again and continue to manage it. Rule number four, never run a full page ad. Next time you see someone read a newspaper, watch them carefully. 99 times out of 100, when they come to a full page ad, they just turn the page. It's these full page ad that actually says to a busy reader, don't waste your time here, I'm just going to try and sell you something. People read newspapers and magazines for editorial content. They also buy them to check out the latest things. They don't buy those publications or read something online to actually just read your ad. Most people just skim the headlines looking for stories that interest them. Often reading the headlines and then the first few paragraphs and then you've got 99% of the story. If you're going to run an ad, make it a six column, eight column, half page, quarter page. Make sure that you might even consider looking at writing that ad as an advertorial. That's an advertisement that's written like an editorial. We talked about Aida before in another podcast. Catches their attention, develops their interest, generates desire, and then has a call to action. This is exactly the same right across the board. Rule number five. If you are going to pay for positioning, pay for the best possible positioning. Now, if you're in a newspaper or an advertisement, I can tell you unequivocally, after years of experience, that page three is the second best as long as you get in the top right-hand side. Don't get into the gutter of a publication and don't get stuck in an area that's just not going to work. 
It may be cheap, but it might be false economy. Rule number six, and I love this one. Do something that's totally outrageous. Now, what do I mean by totally outrageous? Do something that might be a little bit politically incorrect. Do something that might be a little bit different. Use a different colour, a language, a, a font. Something that's actually going to change your advertising and marketing to be a little bit more attractive. Be different. Remember, the mind is bombarded with thousands of images and messages every single day. So if you don't have the opportunity to stand out from the crowd, then you're just going to blend in with a sea of mediocrity and that doesn't help anybody. Just remember, you don't have to be perfect. You're going to make a mistake. Just make sure that you learn from these things in test and measure. Okay, rule number seven, wheel and deal. If you're willing to hang around at an airport waiting for a flight on standby, you can actually travel for less. By the same token, one way to pay less for your ad is to actually have standby rates. Most publications, radio stations, television stations, people who actually produce any form of online or offline marketing usually have standby rates. So have a look at it because you could save yourself up to 90%. Rule number eight. Boost your response by changing the type that set that you use. If it's going to be a written ad, like I said before, stand out and do something different. Use bold, italicizations, colors, whatever you can do to make the written word stand out more. Rule number nine, and this is particularly apt in a day where we use emails and SMSs more than ever before, don't use all caps. If you use all caps, it looks like you're shouting at people. It's the same thing as if you use all italics. It looks like you're stressing something. So be a little bit more careful. If you're going to do a written ad, make sure that you follow rule number 10, and that is indent paragraphs. An indented paragraph uses white space to break up the columns of text and signals to the reader that a new paragraph begins here. Another advantage when you block paragraphs is that you have one line space between the paragraphs to give the eye the same relief as an indentation. And the reader still doesn't have the same sense that it's got a new paragraph beginning. It stops the eye getting tired and it really doesn't stop the reader from being distracted from your measure. One of the other things that you can do, and this used to work really well, it's died for a long time, but I believe it's come back, and that's using a drop letter. A drop letter in the very first paragraph or copy increases readership by 5%. It attracts the eyes. A drop letter is things like four chances to tell your story. It's what you actually do to make sure that you drop things in. A long copy beats a short copy. Not always, of course, but provide the long copy is longer because it's got more information or more compelling to reason to buy than the short copy. The more you tell, the more you sell. Remember, the only people who are going to read your ad are the people who are interested in buying anyway. If they're interested, they want to know as much as possible. Provide it there or give them access to get it later. Rule number 12. Repeat your story in your coupon or in the closing. Research shows that when people read ads, they don't start at the beginning or work their way to the end. Yeah, they jump all over the place. Right? It comes down to the simple rule. Tell them what you told them, then tell you how you told them what you told them. Make sure you tell people multiple times throughout whatever piece that you're writing or what you're actually doing. It could be in video, do the same thing. If it's in writing, make sure rule number 13, tell your story with subheadlines. Break things down. Many headlines 
will actually support the main purpose of a headline so that people can actually move to where they want to go. Rule number 14. A picture tells a thousand words, but those thousand words may not always be what you want said. So make sure that rule number 14, every picture demands a caption. Using pictures allows you to give a visual hook and livens up an ad. They're better than drawings. Every picture should be appropriate to the product. It will increase readership of the ad and it's an additional opportunity to sell and engage people. Explain it with a caption. Rule number 15. A good story never stops in the middle. When a salesman has an interested customer, does he stop in the middle of his pitch and say, look, we'll just talk about this tomorrow? (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. The salesman knows that if he doesn't close the sale now, he may never be able to close it. It's the same thing with an advertisement. Do you ever see those teaser ads and ads saying, watch this space for a big ad tomorrow, with absolutely no clues to who's running the ad? Let's be honest, did you eagerly run out and check out what that big announcement was? I seriously doubt it. A salesman can judge when a customer is ready to buy, he can cut off his pitch and move to the close when he senses the time is right, but you can't do that when you're advertising. You have to assume that the customer is wavering until the very end. You've got to give the lot, right here, right now. The next point, rule number 16. Make your advertisement look like editorial content. I said that before, a lot of people read magazines, publications or anything that's actually in the written format and what they're looking for is editorial content. They're after things, stories that are going to engage them, copy that's going to be worthwhile. So if you write your ad like it actually deserves to be in the publication as an editorial content or story, you're more likely to get it. And let's face it, nobody's ever going to be fooled. You know, readers quickly realise it's an ad, not a story. But by the time they do, many, if you've done it properly, have been hooked. And if you write the ad like a story, even though it's a story about your business, the hook will sink in deeper. Rule number 17, test, 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 and keep testing. Now, I'm not talking about checking my microphone. I'm talking about the opportunity for you to be able to test whether one ad's working with another. Is one better as a direct response ad? Measuring response is not just the first steps. It's obviously important to know whether you're making money or not. You've got to test and compare to make results. Make sure that you test and compare apples to apples. For example, if you run an ad in Friday's paper and different one is on Mondays, do you have anything to compare? No, you've got two different things. These different things give you two different results. You know, maybe it rained on Monday or maybe there was something else happening on that day. Make sure you're comparing apples with apples. So here's three different ways to test. Number one, do a split run. The best way to test two ads is to run this. In the good old days, we'd actually have it so that one was made on one part of the page and the other one with another. The only difference you want to do is to be able to see what's actually happening. Approximate different types of split runs. So do a bundle of 500, bundle of 1,000 copies, focus on one thing and another. The other thing you could do is see how you're actually doing differently. So send something out via snail mail as well as by email and see which gets the best result. But remember to tag it so that you know where it came from. Now is testing really worth the problem? You bet it is. Now, I've had tests where one offer has produced four times the number of sales as another offer. That's four times the sales, four times the revenue at exactly the same cost. And other people I've known have got even more dramatic results. 
Imagine what your business would look like if you could increase the responsiveness of your ads by just 50%. Only test important things, and that's things like the price, the offer, the headline. You know, who really cares about the colour that you used? You know, you may be able to get it down that way, but it's there. Your control is sacrosanct. Your control ad is the benchmark by which you're actually going to test everything else. Never change your control ad without testing the change. If you change the benchmark without providing the change that's worthwhile, you can no longer compare tests if you do it in the future against tests you've never done before. Once you've established a control, an ad that works, don't touch it. If you can think of a better headline, a better phraseology, test it. Rule number 18, and we're almost there. Let your customers point the way to your profit. You'll get tired of your ad long before your customer does. Keep running the ad until it stops working. Because even if you're fed up with it, most of your potential customers probably haven't seen it yet. General advertisers who can't or don't do those things, they either change their ads too frequently just because someone else has seen it or they think they have, or they run it for years. It's finding that balance between the two. Some advertisers, particularly first-time advertisers, make a different mistake. They think that all they need to do is run an ad once and everyone's going to see it. Just watch someone read a newspaper and you'll quickly realise it's not true. The reality is you'll need to run the same ad in different places at different times on an ongoing basis for people to see it. Right? Now, the first time you run a new ad, that will get your cream. That'll get your early adopters. The response second time is going to be lower. And that's because there's a bell curve on people taking things up. You have to make sure that you're keeping it fresh, but not too fresh. Remember, you'll get sick of your ad before anybody else does. Rule number 19, watch what direct response advertisers are doing and maybe not plagiarise them, but how about borrow what they're doing for your own use. When you see those things from successful people, the advertising, those who are doing that you want to do, when they're doing the same thing time and time again, look at what they're doing. There's a reason why they're doing it and make sure that you emulate what they're doing. Rule number 20, and this is going to sound a little crazy, but rules are made to be broken. First of all, though, you've got to know what the rules are. Before then, you really can't go about breaking any rules. Almost as often as not, a marketer's response is humiliation. The reality is, Henry Ford once said, only 10% of advertising and marketing ever works, and if I knew which 10% it was, I'd be a much wealthier man. Now, he had to understand that as a rule by failing nine times out of ten. Or, like Edison said, finding a bunch of different ways not to do something. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you're only out of pocket for one thing if you've tested and measured it. And the last couple of points. Listen to your market. And point number 21. You ignore the results of your ads at your own peril. I made the biggest loss of my life doing just that. I sent out a bunch of marketing. The results came up poor. I came up with 101 reasons why the poor response wasn't really poor. I justified it. I rolled it out again, and guess what? The rest of the results were exactly the same. Had I listened to my market, I would have cancelled that project and taken a small loss. Instead, I took a big loss and it set me back. It's really easy to second-guess your market. You can always rationalise poor results. And if you fall in love with your ad, and it's easy to do, it's your little baby, you've put a lot of effort into creating that ad, and it doesn't work, you're naturally going to be disappointed. Try and cultivate an objective, dispassionate attitude towards the results. It can be hard, but it's worth it. 
For example, imagine, especially when the results don't meet your expectations, that the results are comments in your ad given to you by a firm but fair critic. Listen to what that critic got to say. Every time you do something that doesn't work, you can learn from it. Don't make mistakes time and time again. In my opinion, the only real mistake in life is to make the same mistake more than once. One last rule. Never put everything into your advertisement. Every time you write an ad, pull out all the stops, except for one, two or three things. Keep something back so that your customer will always be pleasantly surprised. In this one, I promised you 21 ways to increase it, but I've given you 22, 23, 24 and so much more. If what you deliver falls below your customer's expectations, you're going to have a dissatisfied customer and dissatisfied customers don't come back. And worse, they don't just come back, but they just don't tell their friends about how good you could have been. They tell their friends about how bad you were. The best form of promotion is word of mouth. And let's face it, that's the worst as well. If you exceed a customer's expectations, however, you have a satisfied and happily surprised customer, a customer who'll come back and buy from you again and again. They'll tell your friends, their friends, all about you again and again and again. And as a rule, remember, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. You're going to get a lot of other things that you can do. But if you don't do it well first time, you're going to end up with problems. This is John Miller and I'm the Naked Business Coach, stripping business back to the bare basics. This has been a mammoth podcast. This hasn't been a bite-sized podcast. I hope you get so much more out of it. And remember, after it's been transcribed, it'll be available for you on our websites. So go to ceo-ondemand.com.au and moreprofitlesstime.com. You'll find those transcriptions. So if you want to, you can listen to these again. You can read more about them and you're going to get a lot more information. Thanks so much. Until next time, be cool, be happy and be profitable.